the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KEOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, I love your email question. Shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Or you can go to the website, submit the questions through chad at chadburton.com or chadburton.com and uh, check out all the downloadables under resources that we have. Lots of flow charts available for you. And, you know, can you do a Roth IRA? Can you do a backdoor Roth IRA? What's a mega Roth 401k? Things that I talk about, a lot of them are right there. So check that out. Well, um, let's let's get a little market update since uh, uh, it's been over a week since I've talked to you live. And first of all, a little check on the market. Large cap, outperforming small cap, value crushing growth this year. This is a fairly normal correction. You know, headlines are obviously disturbing with what Putin, that scumbag, is doing in Ukraine and it's, it's a tough geopolitical situation because of how NATO works and creating a no-fly zone, you know, being global escalation. It's, it's rough for sure. Um, but this is technically a, a, so far a normal correction. You've got what happens typically during a normal correction after things get a little frothy is a change of leadership. So we have had a change of leadership from growth to value. It's a big gut check to sentiment typically when you feel like everyone you know is talking positive about the stock market and they've never even been involved with the stock market. And then every analyst out there is, is giving really high expectations. And then something like this happens and it's a big gut check to sentiment. And it sucked out speculation. Remember all the meme stocks and everybody else, everything else that was going on? A lot of the speculation got sucked out of the market. Now, as we look at the S&P 500 so far this year, if we look at the total return of the S&P 500 by even just looking at an ETF like uh, SPY, the total return, it's only down 7%. We've had a pretty decent uptick in the last couple of days. At one point, it was down over 11% from its highs. And But where's the bear market? So correction is 10% from recent highs. A bear market is 20% down from recent highs. Now, there's still a bear market in small cap growth. So even after the big increase in the last couple of days, and this is being recorded on March 18th for you podcast listeners, 
The if you look at something like VBK, which is a small cap growth ETF, you see that small cap growth is down about 20% since the November 8th highs. So there's still a bear market. And when I say that, I, I mean, like, where's the buying opportunity setting up, right? Because I love the stock market in the long term. It tends to give us 10 to 11% average annual returns over 20 plus year periods. But boy, when you can buy on the big dips, that's when it really, really pays off. Now, the problem is, is inflation is ticking up so much. A lot of people are having less money in their pocket to be able to buy on the dips. So that's a bit of a problem. Um, if we look at technology stocks, like you look at XLK, which is a technology ETF, tech really kind of topped out on December 27th, 2021. It's down 14.6%. But again, that's, that's recovered quite a bit in the last couple of days, about a 4% uptick. And that's you know, just when people wanted to hit the panic button and sell out, that's when you get these big upticks. That's why you do not want to go all in or all out of the market and try to play that timing game. Uh, if we look at the high in the NASDAQ, January 3rd or so, it's still down 14.25%, um, again, after a pretty decent-sized recovery. Uh, so that, that's where we are. Again, rally in the last few days of 4 to 8% in some of these areas that have had tough times on tech and small-cap growth. Now, I want to put some of this in perspective because you know, if we go back to the October 2007 market high before the Great Recession, that was a long, painful decline from October 2007 to March of 2009 global financial crisis, really. And where are we now? Even after this correction that we've seen, and even after the big correction that we saw in 2020 as a result of COVID, the NASDAQ, even though it's down 14% from its January highs, it's still up 638% since the October of 2007. So even though if you would have invested money in October of 2007, at pretty much the worst time in that you know, pocket of time at the top, put the money in, watched it decline all the way to March of 2009, and then held it to now. NASDAQ's up 638%. XLK, that tech ETF, up 588%. S&P 500's up 276%. Now, again, we've had a really weird, almost 15-year period where small caps have underperformed large cap. That doesn't typically happen. And even with that, the Russell 2000's up 197% since that October 2007 high after even this correction. Typically, over a long period of time, small outperforms large. It's just more volatile. It's just been an odd decade. So just like I was screaming at you about uh, small cap value in April, May timeframe of uh, 2020 after that correction, I said, these things have fallen way too far. Um, I think that you know there could be more pain to come if we hit a recession on these areas. But boy, the buying opportunities for the next decade are definitely setting up. Most people that I run to that bring their portfolio in with the S&P 500 outperformance because it's a large cap growth index now, um, a lot of people are, are missing things like small cap and light on international and things like that. Now, emerging markets, it was very attractive in the beginning of the year. You got to take a little bit of a pause because of uh, you know, Russia and China and emerging market debt issues, but no reason you can't start adding to it with your 401k contributions if you're an aggressive long-term investor. So where are we now? I want to, you know, talking about corrections, I've talked about this a little bit before. Most of the time when you see a 10% correction from an all-time high, 
the majority of the time, you'll look at the stock market 12 months later and it'll be up 17%. That's the majority of the results that you see after 10% correction. And typically in the 20, almost 29 years in August that I've been doing this job. And you, I, I was used to seeing, you know, three, seven to ten correct percent corrections per year. That was the norm. Twenty twenty one was not the norm. That was very, very low volatility, and things things revert back to the mean, just like we're seeing now. We we've gone through over almost a decade and a half of very low inflation. So hey, we could see a higher than average inflation over the next five to ten years. Low volatility sometimes gets followed by high volatility. I will say, though, that if you have a 10% correction and then you look at history and those periods that after 10% correction were followed by a recession in the next 12 months, you tend to kind of revisit the lows again, where you get some sort of a relief rally back up and then the numbers come in from something like a spike in oil and people realize, oh, we are in a recession. And then they, you get a little bit of that capitulation and pull back to the lows. Um, and that does not mean you just sell everything and wait for that revisit of the lows, because then that means you're not getting any dividends on your stocks that get reinvested to buy more shares, and you're not getting any interest on fixed income or real estate or anything like that. So, you know, trying to tell you, don't play that game of trying to time this because the big tra- up trading days tend to come in the worst periods of time. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm going to talk a little bit more about how people's risk tolerance changes as soon as they hit that retirement button, as soon as they say, hey, I got to live off of these assets for the rest of my life and I'm not feeding it with my 401k, risk tolerance drops. All right, let's put the market in perspective. It's, it's a very interesting time to me to look at the stock market because when I look at stock market cycles, to me, that's a 15 to 20 year period. So I often tell you over the next you know, 15 to 20 years, the stock market is likely to average 10 to 11% like it always has. Now, five-year periods can be all over the place, all over the place. Rolling five-year periods can be phenomenal or it can be really ugly like 2007 to 2012. But now that we're in 2022, we can look back a whole 15 years to 2007, which was the top of the market. So October 2007 was the top of the market before that big, huge decline that was painful and long. Um, is Rough time to be a financial advisor at that period of time, I can tell you. From October 2009, it was a slow bleed all the way down to March 2007, and almost every asset class got beat up because people, you know, banks were giving mortgages to anybody that could fog a mirror and then packaging those up and reselling them as collateralized debt obligations. And it was a financial leverage screw up almost across the world. But now we can look back, and like I mentioned before, if we look at some of these different indexes, the NASDAQ, which is QQQ, if you can look up an ETF, you'd invested at arguably one of the worst times over the last 15 years, in October 2007 to today, up 638%. XLK, an ETF that's text-based, up 588%. SPY, which is a ETF that mirrors the S&P 500 up 276%. Now, these are total returns, so it's dividends reinvested. Russell 2000, small cap and mid cap index up 197%. 
And then even if you look at a balanced fund, because that's what people tend to, you know, gravitate towards as you get close to retirement, you need to have your three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and the rest of your assets typically are somewhere between a 50% stock to 65% stock. Um, so let's look at a 60-40 example, Vanguard balanced, symbol F, uh, symbol VBIAX. This is not a recommendation. I don't own this fund. I don't recommend this fund, but it's just a look at a balanced fund that's been around for a while. That's up 187% from that October 2007 high. And over the last 15 years, if we look from today, 15 years back, it's got a 7.84% average annual rate of return. That's even though it's down almost 7% as I record this podcast for the year. It's a pretty good rate of return. Stock market will take care of you over time. You have to make sure you do two things. And that is number one, do not panic when you have these declines. They're normal. They feel very scary. They're very painful to watch the decline in your value. But if you hit the panic button, you'll miss out on weeks like you know we've just had in terms of pretty decent returns on off the you know recent lows. Now, have we seen the, the full lows? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine. And you know, the longer this goes, the higher the chance I say we have a recession next year because the oil prices will stay high. You're going to have demand destruction because of people filling up their tanks at the pump. And I remember going through this with, you know, single mom in the, in the early eighties and, and, you know, for, for a lot of families going to the, to fill up the car to get to work means you're definitely not going shopping. You're definitely not going to the movies. You're definitely not going out to, you know, eat at Red Robin, let alone McDonald's. And you might not, you might have to skip a meal. That's, that's how all this is set up. I mean, COVID in general, was extremely tough on lower and middle income, super tough on single parents that were trying to balance a job and children not being in school, and now this. Like Every reaction the government has had seems like it's crushed the lower and middle class. So I'm getting off on a tangent there a little bit, but uh, that, that's, that's been the case. Where was I? Let me get back to my original train of thought. So the market takes care of you over time. And these, these corrections are normal. So number one, you cannot panic and hit the sell button. You have to make sure that you are invested appropriately, that the, the, the person that's helping you in with investments isn't just giving you all the positive results. Like, hey, this is average 7.84% over the last 15 years. Or, you know, we've, we're up 638% since October of 2007 on the NASDAQ. You have to point out maximum drawdowns in, in various portfolios where, hey, you're going to have to sit through these several times in your retirement. S- several times. I mean, in the last 15 years, we had the Great Recession and we had COVID. Those were corrections over 35% to the downside. So if you have a million-dollar portfolio going into retirement, which is you know barely enough these days unless you got a lot of other income sources, that's a $350,000 decline on paper. And if you panic and sell, those are shares that are not going to be in your portfolio anymore for the recovery. Huge mathematical error. Huge. You'll, you will never recover from that. So you have to be invested appropriately and do not hit the panic button when things get rough. And you have to have enough cash on the sidelines when you're in retirement 
so that when the market corrects, you are not selling any stocks or any bonds. This is the kind of stuff that I've been preaching about since 1999 on radio, where you get periods where stocks and bonds go down together. AGG, if you look at it, ETF that tracks the US aggregate uh, bond index, Barclays bond index, is down 5% for the year, almost as much as the S&P 500. So that's what I mean. Your safe money can't be in bonds, guys. It has to be in safe instruments. FDIC insured, uh, credit union insured, treasuries, you know, stuff that does not go down in value when rates go up. So you have to have those two things. You have to have the ability to have enough cash in your portfolio so you don't have to sell anything to pay expenses in retirements, and you have to make sure you don't panic out. And look, your risk tolerance is going to change drastically in retirement. I see this constantly where I've been working with people since 1999 and they're they're pretty aggressive. They're always wanting to buy more and more stocks. They're feeding their 401k every two weeks with their paycheck, watching it grow over time. They're like, hey, this market correction, should we put more money in now? And I'm like, yes, let's put it in now. We ride that correction all the way up back to the highs then they finally have enough money where, hey, yeah, you're ready to retire. And they get about six months into retirement where they have more time to look at their portfolio, realizing they're not feeding their portfolio. They realize they're selling stuff to have to pay expenses and their risk tolerance drops. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. If you have a money question for the show, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. All right, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about going into retirement and the idea of sequence of return risk, um, having enough cash, Because, I mean, I feel like people get sick of me saying this, but sticking to it. The background of the business, I got into the business at 19 years old with my grandfather. He was selling annuities and mutual funds at the bank. Kept, you know, savings and loan crisis met merger after merger after acquisition after acquisition. He actually left, walked out of the door from Washington Mutual, which is kind of funny. When that bank failed, it was kind of surreal for me. And... um, my summer job, freshman year of college, was helping him set up an office, getting organized, getting a hold of clients. I had to get licensed to be able to you know, talk to them about their accounts. Fell in love with the business, but I hated sales. I did not like products with commissions and things like that. I was majoring in engineering and math. So to everything to me, it was a spreadsheet. You know, what makes sense? And what I saw from the very beginning is, gosh, the stock market over 15 to 20 year periods is amazing. Amazing. You tend to double your money every 10 to 11 years, average 10 to 11% rate of return, but there's volatile times. I noticed that after the Great Depression, the stock market um, started to do well, and then the Federal Reserve raised rates too soon. And, and the first time we had a negative three years in a row was right after the Great Depression. And then there were several periods in the stock market where the market was down two years in a row, like 73 and 74, where the market was down 40 some percent, but then the next two years it was up 60 something percent. So mathematically, I realized that 
all right, you got to make sure that you don't sell after a decline. So you have the same number of shares in your portfolio to be there for these giant recoveries that occur after the big declines. And so I looked back and I said, okay, well, there's been three years of negative returns in a row once. So I want to have three years worth of portfolio draws. That means my total income, or I'm sorry, my total expenses minus my automatic income like social security, pensions, dependable real estate income, things like that. I want to have three years worth of that in safe assets, things like CDs, FDIC insured, treasuries, stuff that has zero risk, no risk of default, no risk of interest rates going up and bonds falling, three years safe. And just mathematically, that made sense to me. I've been preaching that on radio with Rob Black since 1999. And, you know, this is a, uh, you know, then we went through the, the tech correction, which was three years in a row of negative stock market declines. I've got a lot of clients that still listen that are, have been with me since then that appreciated us making it through that period of time. And um, the Great Recession of 2007, where the bottomed out at 2009 and then recovered. And let's talk about that because, like I said, many high income earners that are you know maxing out their 401k and and doing the catch up contributions call themselves aggressive investors, right? But then they get into retirement and they have more time to watch their portfolio. They have more time to realize that I'm no longer feeding my portfolio. My portfolio is sending money to me, and so they realize that this asset or these assets, you know, 401ks, IRAs, Roths, taxable accounts have to last 35 plus years of retirement. So risk tolerance drops off a cliff for a lot of people for in retirement. And so you, you have to be aware of that and how you're going to react. You have to equate a 10% decline to a dollar value in your overall portfolio and then equate a 20% decline and see how you're going to react because you do not want to hit the panic button at the downside. It's the worst thing you can do. Second worst thing you can do is have to sell stocks or bonds after they decline to pay expenses. Now, why do I see three years worth of portfolio draws in cash? It's because most of the time you can create a balanced portfolio yielding two and a half to three percent minimum. Used to be more with bonds higher, but bonds are much lower. Bonds are yielding way lower than they were 10, 15 years ago. And bonds cannot be your safety reserve because bonds are down 5% this year. Both you know, tax-free bonds and normal bonds down on average about 5% this year. And most of them are only yielding somewhere between 2 to 3% at the most. The 3% are the more aggressive bond funds that still have more interest rate increase risk. And you have to be aware of the sequence of returns. Market's probably going to average 10 11% the stock market over your entire retirement years. That's 15 plus years at a time or over 30 years. But you have to wear the sequence of returns because seven out of 10 years are positive, three out of 10 years are negative. What if you retire and you get three years in a row of negative returns and you're drawing your portfolio on the way down? It means you have less shares to recover. Let's talk about recovery. I was giving you an example earlier uh, in the show about like just Vanguard Balanced Fund. It's been around for a long time, so I'm using that as an example. Symbol is VBIAX. It's not a recommendation. I don't really tend to invest much in balanced funds. I like to figure out my own stocks and my own fixed income exposure. But it's been around for a long time. And in October of uh, 2007, the stock market high to the bottom of March 6 of 09, 
that fund at one point was down 31%, people. 31% by March of 2009. But guess what? You want to know what the recovery date was for that? It was around hmm, April, May time frame of 2010. That's when the, the, it had actually recovered. So about April of 2010. So you had a period from October of 2007 to the bottom of March of 2009. And then that balance fund recovered by somewhere around April of 2010. So that's a situation where you had to wait almost three years from the top down to the bottom, back up to the top before you would want to sell any shares of that. And if you had had the cash on the sidelines and the dividends and interests that that balance fund was kicking off, feeding your cash account as you were spending, you'd had plenty of cash. You could have lasted another two or three years of cash if the market continued to correct. So when it feels the worst, like it did in March of 2009, I think we did, I did a conference call with all of our clients in March 12th of 2009 saying, look, things are way oversold. Do not hit the panic button. Stay in. We're seeing revenues down around 14%. So this decline is way too far. Sure enough, you know, I was six days late on the conference call, but it was pretty close to the bottom. And you just have to set things up. The stock market's going to take very good care of you over time. But you have to make sure that you realize 70% of the time the market's positive, 30% of the time the market's negative. So focus on the positive, but always prepare for the negative. If you're in retirement and you have your three years worth of portfolio draw, so in other words, if, you're, if you need if $100,000 covers everything, including your taxes and health insurance costs, and you're getting 50 from Social Security, then that means 50 is coming from your portfolio you need $150,000 in safe money somewhere out of the portfolio. And then the rest you could do, you know, I wouldn't go much more than 60% growth unless you're really wealthy or 60% stocks. But every quarter when the market's positive, which is 70% of the time, you're selling. You can be selling. You can say, I've spent 20 grand of my cash. My portfolio is up 30 grand. I'm going to peel off 20 grand of that growth. Yeah, I'll pay taxes on it. Big deal. And I'll replenish my cash so I'm always preparing for that next down market. And when you have a plan like that in place, you, 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 you don't get too concerned about these corrections. They come and they go. Like, well, this is going to suck for a while as this plays out. But yeah, we might go into a recession next year because of the supply chain and spike in oil prices and Russian debt issues. But that's okay. I've got a plan in place. My portfolio is kicking off dividends and interest despite the decline. And I've got cash. I've got a plan and it makes you feel a heck of a lot better going into it. Now, I will say that, you know, what we're dealing with now, one of the most biggest, besides inflation that, you know, eats away at returns, we also have low interest rates, but interest rates will increase over time to fight inflation and we should get back to normal at some point. But we do have a period here coming up of about, you know, somewhere between five to 10 years where bonds aren't giving us the return that they used to. They just aren't. They increased in value a lot as rates came down, and now they're going down in value as rates are going back up. They're still yielding historically, historically low. About a third of what bonds yielded prior to 2007 credit crisis. 
So that's been the most difficult part of our job is, okay, what do we do? If we don't, if we have a conservative investor, somebody that's not willing to go 60% in stocks because declines scare them. They can't sleep at night. They freak out. There's very conservative people out there. The type of people that are always have a full tank of gas. They have emergency kit in their trunk. They have food in their pantry for you know some sort of a disaster that lasts them a year. You know, those, th- th- there's there's a lot of those people, and that's okay. We need those type of people. We can't have everybody super aggressive and and speculative. Otherwise, we create too many bubbles. So there's different things that we can do besides adding a bunch of bonds to a portfolio. You can get a little bit creative, especially with mortgage debt, your 401k and stable value funds. People need to take a look at their mortgage, especially in the Bay Area where your mortgage balances are really high and realize that number one, if your balance of your mortgage is over 750000 you are not able to deduct the interest on your tax return. Number two, you may no longer be itemizing your deductions anyway, so maybe none of your mortgage interest is deductible. And maybe paying off or paying down your mortgage, in your case, if you consult your tax advisor and your financial advisor, might be better than adding to bonds right now. All right, so we're talking about you know, making sure you've got enough cash. You've got to be able to fight the sequence of returns in retirement because the stock market will take very, very good care of you over time. I hope I proved that to you today. Even though we go through these periods that are scary and tough and not fun and news is awful, stock market's going to take good care of you over time. You've got sequence of returns, you have inflation to deal with, and you have a situation where interest rates on our bonds and CDs and cash accounts are lower than they were 15, 20, 30 years ago. And that makes it tougher on a retired investor that typically likes to take less risk. And all these examples that I was giving you, you know, bonds were yielding a lot higher in 2007 when they, than they are today. Rates are low and they're, and they're going up. You know, the, that means that bond funds tend to fall in value. You're looking at the most bond funds out there down you know, somewhere between 4 and 6% for the year so far. Um, even tips, treasury inflation protected bonds, the stuff that everybody wanted because they thought it'd go up to fight inflation is down almost 2% for the year if you look at TIP, which is an ETF. So your safe money has to be not subject to interest rate increases and declines. Now, what if you're getting closer to retirement and you know, okay, five years away from retirement, I need my three years worth of portfolio draws in, in cash. You could have that you know, socked away in the stable value fund of your 401k if you wanted to. That's pretty safe. Um, but a person sitting there going, gosh, you know, I know I need to become more conservative. I know I need to start going from 100% stocks to more of a balanced portfolio over the next 10 years. But I don't want to reduce equity now after a decline. Um, I've got extra cash, but I don't want to buy more stocks because I already have too much. And I sure as heck don't want to buy bonds in a rising rate environment. Well, let's look at other issues. What else can we do with that? What does your debt structure look like? Remember, if your mortgage is over 750000 the amount of money that's over 750000 you are not able to deduct. The interest is not deductible. And this is a, this is a really cool thing recently because when um, we are managing accounts, so we use TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, and Schwab. That's when, when I'm working for somebody and I'm managing their accounts, their investments. It's their account at TD, Fidelity, or Schwab 
so often we can just take over the existing account, um, not as the, the owner, of course, but just as the authorized uh, person to trade the account. Um, when they have institutional funds there and it gets you know, into the really high numbers, you can actually get discounted mortgage rates. You know, uh, discounts, especially at like Schwab through Rocket on, uh, on mortgages. So you can get less than the 30-year. But a lot of people miss that low on mortgages. Mortgages have jumped in, the t- in mortgage rates a lot over the last several months, right? Because the 10-year treasury has been now over 2%. So what one of my clients uh, that we took on did is they had a pretty large mortgage balance and we went through a lot of planning and realized, okay, we've got to you know, kind of decrease risk of the portfolio and or decrease your cash outflow, decrease your expenses. And their mortgage was really high. It was about 1.6. And this is their forever home. They're not moving anywhere. Their kids live close. Their kids are starting to have kids. Um, and they're going to stay in this place forever. So that's one thing. You got to make sure you're going to want to be here for 10 plus years. Um, but they missed out on the refinance option. You know, we were, we, I was telling them, you know, pay down the mortgage and then we can refinance it and get lower than the current rate that you have. We could have got under 3% a while back and they just kind of procrastinated. So then I said, okay, call your mortgage company now. In this case, it was Wells Fargo. And ask them, hey, if I pay down my mortgage, in this, this case, the, the value was quite a bit of money. They had a bunch of cash on the sidelines from uh, a big, uh, the company they worked for was bought out. So they had a big exercise of their options. They're sitting there on cash. They already had plenty of stocks with us. So they were able to give a big lump sum of money to their current mortgage company and ask them to recast their loan at the same rate. So you don't want to just pay it off and then have the same monthly outflow. You want to pay it down and have them recast the amortization schedule so your payments are much, much lower. So they decided to pay it down to the rate, the, the value of $750,000 on their mortgage, which lowered their payments quite a bit. And now all of the interest that they're paying is tax deductible, where before it was not. So there might be some strategic things you can do with your debt. Now, if you do something like that, or if you decide to pay off your mortgage completely because you're not itemizing anymore and you're not getting any type of a tax break at all, you make sure you talk to your insurance agent. Make sure your home is properly insured. Consider earthquake insurance and consider setting up a home equity line of credit with your normal bank so that if you ever want to access the equity again, you can. But so there's some other things that you can do. And I'm not saying this is right for everybody. It's just, you know, certain circumstances where, hey, I'm, you know, within 10 years from retirement, I need to start being more conservative. Okay. So you can either invest more bonds or safe instruments, or you can pay down your debt. I've got one client that hates bonds. He's in his fifties. And so we've been, he's got, you know, he's accumulated rental properties, got eight rentals, a bunch of stocks, many of which pay dividends. And instead of adding to bonds over the next 10 years until he retires, we're focusing on getting rid of all the debt on the rental property. So he has dividends from stocks as passive income and a bunch of passive income from his real estate. And that'll be more than enough for him to live very comfortably. And he doesn't get scared of volatility. So he's fine. Do what's right for you. And that allows you to sleep at night so you don't panic out. Have a good plan in place so you know what happens in the good times and how you're always preparing for the eventual rough periods that we have in the stock market. That's part of an overall financial plan. The investing side is easy. 
the planning part, the taxes, the estate planning, that's what takes all the time. You need to get help from a fee-only financial advisor. You need some help, you go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Facebook, LinkedIn, iTunes for the podcast. It's all there at chadburton.com. A bunch of downloads. And stay tuned. I'll be hanging out with Rob Black for the next hour. So stay tuned. And uh, thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.